welcoming Kevin to the stage. Golly, thanks, David. You're a sweet guy. So I, I, I do have the privilege of knowing David when he was like this big as a church planner and watching him grow up and uh, watching Renovation Church grow up. And it's obviously astonishing the great things God's Spirit has done through this church. And I get this kind of back row seat just to watch it all happen. So uh, thank you for being a part of Renovation Church because I am absolutely confident that God has changed your lives and will change the lives of many, many more people because you're here participating with little David Sorn and his church. <laughs> you uh, made it through Black Friday, right? And uh, every marketer and retailer on the globe has flooded you with uh, pleas to... Uh, buy their products to make yourselves and your friends and your family a little more happy. There's many possibilities of gift giving, right? You could get warm jammies for your uh, sweetie. You could get the latest gadgets for that high-tech coworker. Um, you can get microfiber biotechnic workout wear for that stud athlete in your life. Um, if you want to, for that special man in your life, you can get an obsidian black Lexus RX with a big old red bow on it. Uh, and for that dad that's hopelessly out of touch with society, you can get him a fanny pack. So there's all sorts of products that we have that can uh, make us a little happier, a little more stylish, a little more effective, a little more successful, a, a little better people. And, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But what I want us to dig into this morning is, is what can we give to others? And, and really, what can we give to ourselves that is going to make the absolute biggest difference in our lives? This whole Christmas season is wrapped around this person we know as Jesus Christ. And his words are compelling. Um, his, his miracles are truly mesmerizing. But it's often the actions of Jesus that get my attention most significantly. And, and this morning, we're going to see if we can buy into what he believes through his actions, what he shows, of what makes the greatest difference for ourselves and for those who are around us. I'm just going to read five verses from the New Testament book of Mark. It's five verses that would be probably pretty easy to skip over. But I think within these five verses, we're going to find some things that are truly going to change us forever. And so the words of Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Pretty easy to skip over this little section of scripture thinking, oh, let's get to the action part. Jesus is just kind of talking to some people here. But I think embedded within this is Jesus' method for changing the world and changing our lives 
and it's a gift that we can give to others that they don't even know they're ready to receive. So I just want to kind of walk us through this and notice Jesus' actions here. The first thing we know from Jesus is that Jesus is walking. Pretty simple. Jesus is walking. I, I think what's significant is where Jesus is walking. It says Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. Okay, we, we know that uh, Jesus is going to become the most important, historical, well-known religious leader in the history of the world. He's got a couple options at his disposal at this point. He could take a three, four-day walk down to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which has been known as the eternal hotbed of religious fervor, always has been, probably always will be, where he can stir up people to follow his cause. That would have been pretty strategic. Jesus could have gotten in a boat and, and taken a ship across to Rome, the most important capital city in the history of the Western world, and, and rallied people to his cause in Rome. But where did he start? He's just squishing his toes between the sand, the muddy sand at the Sea of Galilee. He started, this is very profound here, get ready for this one. He started where he started, right? He, he, he didn't take off and say, I'm going to go somewhere important. He said, right where I am at, I can begin to change the world right here. And I, and I think we fall into the trap sometimes of thinking when we can finally get to a certain position, when we can finally have certain status, when we can finally find ourselves in an important place, then God will really use us to make a difference in people's lives. But just watch Jesus just start walking right where he lives, which indicates for us maybe instead of looking out there, we should just be looking at our little neighborhood or our place of work or our school, or even within our own family. Maybe that's where we're supposed to start. So Jesus is walking right where he started. Walking, one. Uh, Jesus is also watching, right? It's interesting. Mark is the shortest account of Jesus' life, but yet Mark includes some details here that seem completely unnecessary to us. It says he saw Simon and Andrew casting a net into the lake, and he saw James and John preparing their nets. Okay, if you're walking by a sea where there's a fishing industry, it shouldn't be remarkable that you see people casting a net in the lake and people preparing their nets. That's just normal, everyday stuff. Why does Mark record this little thing that Jesus saw that was so ordinary? Because Jesus had this amazing ability to look at very, what we would perceive to be ordinary people. Dare I say, even people that most people just skip right past and don't give a second thought about. And he can watch them in their everyday lives and notice something about them that is somewhat remarkable. Again, if, if you're going to start a world religion, you would think about starting with some educational elites or some movers and shakers or some political power players. But Jesus knows, noticed these, these four fishermen just doing their everyday tasks and goes, okay, there's something remarkable about what they're doing there. 
Now, recognize fishermen are not known for being the most spiritually adept or morally upright. I'm, I'm not trying to, if you love fishing, I'm not trying to make you look bad. But think about watching an episode of The Deadliest Catch. Are these the people you would build a religious movement off of? They're kind of crass and impatient and easily angered. They're they're blunt. They don't really give a rip about what other people think about them. In fact, they don't like fishing at all. They like catching. It's all they care about, catching something. That's their livelihood. Jesus sees Peter and Andrew and James and John and says, well, I got to say one thing about them. They're committed to getting results and they're tenacious. Fishermen have to get up early before anyone else gives a rip. Fishermen have to keep working until they get a catch. Fishermen have to prepare their nets so they're ready the next day for the next catch. There's something remarkable about these ordinary guys that captures Jesus' attention, which puts us thinking about Who are the ordinary people Jesus has put all around us and we're not noticing them? And we're not noticing that there's actually some very remarkable things. We're looking for certain types of people that fit our perception of what a good person is instead of recognizing there might be people all around us that Jesus is is calling us to draw close to because we're finally watching who is right around us. Jesus is walking right where he started. Jesus is watching ordinary life and seeing something remarkable there. The third and maybe the most important thing of everything Jesus does here is Jesus is welcoming. Simple statement to these guys. Come, follow me. Which is Jesus' way of saying, hey, boys, let's do life together. You and me, let's walk around and do everyday life together. You can come with me. They don't know it yet. They're going to see amazing miracles, astonishing compassion, compelling teaching. At this point, Jesus is saying, hey, come on into my life and be a part of my everyday life. So I am currently um, investing my time and energy with an organization called Young Life. And Young Life is an outreach to um, kids, junior high or senior high, even some college kids who, who normally would never dream of showing up in church. And I'm working in a few different areas. I'm working in Alexandria, Minnesota, small town. I'm working in Rochester, Minnesota, mid-sized town. I'm working in the suburb here, uh, Centennial High School area. The most compelling area I'm working in, though, that's very intriguing to me is urban core of St. Paul. Uh, St. Paul's a world away from the suburbs. St. Paul has a 40% poverty rate of all the citizens that live there. St. Paul is incredibly diverse with different immigrant groups that have settled into the area. St. Paul, as we figure, has probably, counting for all the churches there, probably four youth pastors are in St. Paul proper, meaning there's an overwhelming number of needs with the kids in the community and very few people working with these kids. But I'll never forget a moment when one of the pastors, one of the local ministry leaders in St. Paul, we're having coffee together and we're just talking about how Young Life might be able to reach certain kids in St. Paul. And he kind of stopped the conversation 
And, and he looked at me and he said, you know, St. Paul's had no lack of slick white guys from the suburbs coming in with the answers to our problems. He said, if you have a program, that's, that's not what we need. If you want to show up here and you want to learn what's important to us and you want to find out how this community really works, you're going to need to keep showing up all the time. Be interested in what we are committed to and what we're going through. And through that, you can begin to see an impact in this community. So out of that, um, you know, I, I have a weekly gathering of local leaders that I just go down to urban St. Paul and just hang out with them every single week. And, and what I've noticed there is, I, I don't know if it's, it's changed their opinion of me so much or of Young Life. I think it's changed my heart. Wherever you keep showing up is whatever your heart will get attached to. And whatever people you welcome into your life and you start getting involved in whatever they're involved in and, and showing interest in whatever they're interested in and being committed to whatever cause they're committed to, it's amazing how it changes us and it changes them and it's the way Jesus went about doing ministry. He just showed up in the lives of these four individuals, these four fishermen, and he welcomed them into his life. So Jesus is walking, Jesus is watching, Jesus is welcoming, and the next one is Jesus is wondering. He's helping them wonder how the skill set that these guys have can be translated into something greater than what they're currently doing. He puts it this way, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Meaning you boys have this great ability to catch fish. You're good at that. Let's see if we can't take that skill set and translate it into something that's going to transform the, the, the lives of people and change all of human history. He had this, Jesus has this amazing ability to look at what a person is and what they have and help them see that something in there is phenomenal, exceptional. And, and that they can change, be a part of the transformation of the human race through the skills that they have. Now, recognize here that, that Jesus is um, adapting his message to these fishermen. This is the last time he's going to say to anybody, uh, follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people. He's doing it with fishermen. So if you know someone in your life who loves to pull small brain vertebrates with no arms and legs through a lake by their lips, then this will work really well. But we all know different types of people. You know, an engineer usually loves to solve problems. And you invite them into your life to say, maybe there's bigger problems you can solve. A teacher knows how to take a simple idea and communicate it so that people understand and lean in. And, and maybe if you have a teacher in your life, you start to help them think about how can that teaching gift be used for something greater. For someone who's uh, staying at home with kids, they usually have this amazing ability to create a welcoming family-type environment. And maybe you can help them see that their ability to welcome and to create a family environment can be used to create a bigger family for God's kingdom. So there's all these different skills from, from an engineer to a teacher to a stay-at-home parent to like, uh, like, well, think about all the good that a Green Bay Packer fan can do in our society. Yeah, I don't got anything there either, so. 
we all have different people in our lives. We all have, they all have different skills. And our, our understanding is how do we take what is in God has put in our soul and begin to translate it to something greater? So Jesus is walking. Jesus is watching. Jesus is welcoming. Jesus is wondering. And finally, Jesus is walking some more. He just keeps walking with these guys. The, the crazy story here is that these, and the simple statement is, and they followed him. Jesus invites them into life, and these guys were crazy enough to go, okay, we're in, let's go. And, and they began to walk through their lives together. Let's be straight about it. You're working your way through the book of Luke in the gospel of Luke. You're going you're gonna to see as you walk through any account that Jesus' followers mess it up all the time. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they're doing it. They get it all mixed up. They misinterpret Jesus. At Jesus' greatest hour of need, they abandon him. But after Jesus' trial and crucifixion and resurrection, guess what he does? He goes right back to them, and he continues to walk with them. Like I, like I said, I, I um, invest myself with Young Life, and Young Life began as this little outreach ministry in Gainesville, Texas, in 1941. And, and it's grown since 1941 to be in over a, a hundred countries around the world where we presently know two and a half million kids by name. 12 million Americans say that young life was very influential in leading them to follow Jesus. And as I look at all the things that, that got me attracted to young life and, and what made it meaningful to me, there's this certain method that young life has that I think is exceptional. And, and they do it over and over and over again. It's simply this, invite kids to personally respond to the good news of Jesus and walk in friendship with them regardless of their response. Walk in friendship with them regardless of their response. As we reach out and we get to know people, they are going to disappoint us. They are going to hurt us. They are going to anger us. They're going to let us down. But we just keep walking with them. And the power of not giving up on a person and the power of walking with them consistently is the power of the message of Jesus going down deep into someone's soul. My assumption here is that if you are a person that is walking with Jesus, at one point there was someone in your life who loved Jesus and never gave up on you. No matter what... and you were doing that just wasn't smart, that was destructive, that might have been absolutely wrong, someone didn't give up on you and just walked you through it to know who Jesus is. I want to highlight um, a gentleman I met a few months ago. His, his name is Bill Milliken. And I think we got a picture of Bill with some friends here. So Bill's the bushy-haired, gray-haired guy on um, my left, your right. And he's hanging out there with a few people like Jimmy, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter and a few other people that just look like they belong in suits all day long. And, and, and I met Bill Milliken, and he's got quite a story. He, he's considered one of our nation's primary and most influential advisors and advocates for 
helping kids in poverty get and complete their high school education and get a good start. So the stats are pretty staggering. One in five kids in the United States who's in a public school is in poverty or below. And, and Bill Milliken recognized that um, these kids are, have so many challenges and barriers. How do we clear the way to help them get their start, to get their, their high school education and get on with the, the rest of their lives? And so he developed an organization called Communities and Schools, which is all over the nation, of helping kids who don't have the resources um, find the resource they need in their local school. But, but Bill didn't begin his life by hanging out in the upper echelons of society with, with presidents and directors of education and, and superintendents. He actually began his life as a, as he says, a very angry suburban kid from Pittsburgh. See, in the 1950s, Bill Milliken had a learning um, disability where he just did not have the ability to learn right. Back in those days, it wasn't diagnosed. His teachers called him dumb and stupid. His parents were not supportive of him, and he came out of, through his teenage years, very angry. And, and Bill just hung out in the pool hall in uh, suburban Pittsburgh and just kind of said, I'm just going to spend my time here wasting my time. There was a youth worker in Pittsburgh named Bob, and Bob befriended Bill and invited him to a camp called Frontier Ranch where Bill met Jesus. And it changed his life forever, and, and he began having a heart for other people. In 1960, it led Bill to go to Harlem, New York in 1960 and begin hanging out with the kids that were on the street in Harlem in the 1960s. And here was this scrawny white kid hanging out in Harlem trying to play pickup basketball by the local guys who lived there. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They thought he might be a narcotics agent that was there ready to do a drug bust. But he just kept showing up. To the point where he recognized none of these guys were in school. They, they couldn't function in, in the local public school. So, so Bill established these little street academies where he would begin to teach them the basics in their own neighborhood. And as this caught on and as he saw this work, it got the attention of other people. And, and eventually he meets this peanut farmer from Georgia named Jimmy Carter who becomes the president. And he qu quickly catapults to be a national advisor on educational issues. A lot of people have asked Bill Milliken, so what prepared you for this great success where your life made such a difference? I love his response. Here's his quote. People ask me, what education did you receive that equipped you to invest in these kids on the street? I answer, I knew how to hang out. Well, I still can't find a university that will give a degree in it. It's one of the greatest skills you can have. I knew how to hang out at the country club, and I knew how to hang out on the streets. What is missing in the lives of those young people in Harlem? Nobody was on the streets with them, walking with them, talking with them. Being there was what it was all about. Bill Milliken's approach sounds remarkably similar to Jesus's. 
Start walking right where you're at. Look for those people that other people pass by. Start welcoming them into your life. Start to wonder before God what God might do with their lives and just keep walking with them no matter what. So it's true, uh, warm jammies might be nice uh, if you're really a workout god or goddess, that high-tech, microfiber, biotechnic, whatever workout stuff might be great. Um, if you uh, want to give me a black Lexus RX, I'll, I'll take it. If you have a fanny pack, you can keep it. <laughs> but what's really going to make the biggest difference in your life and the life of those around you, if you will start paying attention to who God has put right in front of you, if you'll start walking through life with them, if you will welcome them in to see who you are and how Jesus makes your life work, and if you will not give up on them ever, that's where Jesus begins to show up. That's where Jesus begins to change our lives. That's where Jesus begins to do a new work. So in conclusion, I just have two questions for you. Two questions, questions that are so incredibly simple. Number one... Are you walking with Jesus? I, I didn't ask, are, do you believe in Jesus? I asked, are you walking with Jesus? Is his grace and his compassion and his forgiveness and his strength and his courage and his sense of justice deep within your soul? Are you walking with Jesus and allowing him to transform each and every moment of your life? First question, are you walking with Jesus? Secondly, are you allowing Jesus to walk you towards those people that other people are ignoring? Because when, when we're following Jesus, Jesus is always leading us towards someone that other people have forgotten about or passed by. And we're walking with Jesus, we'll always begin to spot some things in people and we'll start to walk with them and see God do new things as we simply keep walking and watching and welcoming and wondering and walking some more. Let's pray together. Jesus, first and foremost, we're deeply grateful that you want to walk with us, that you have invited us to be people who can follow you. We're messed up, sinful, broken people, but yet through your forgiveness, we can spend an eternity with you. That is a privilege we do not take lightly. And now, Jesus, I pray you give us a vision for those people right around us. Not that we'll boldly bust into their lives, but that we'll quietly begin to show interest in them. And we'll begin to pray for them. And we'll begin to show them what it looks like to follow you and invite them to see you with us. So I pray you give each of us a few people that come to mind. That we might be people who are constantly investing ourselves in those whose lives might be transformed by you. It's by your grace and in your power, Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen.